Perhaps we sing about the weather outside being frightful at the wrong holiday. For this winter certainly has transformed the greater Charlottesville area into a bit of a wonderland, which is fitting for Valentine's Day. Charlottesville Community Engagement is here for February 14th, 2021, to bring you another installment about the pandemic. On today's show, two variants of COVID-19 are now in Virginia. More on the vaccination rollout, including a concern that the CVS distribution is not being done through an equity lens, and lessons learned at UVA Health during the pandemic. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and today's program is a gift from me to you for Valentine's Day. I've dedicated my life to doing this work in order to help this community understand itself a little better, and I'm grateful to the universe for allowing me to be here at this time. My message here today is simply a hope that this message finds you well, and if not, then it's a wish for a better tomorrow. Another newsletter, another set of pandemic numbers. All long-term indicators of community spread continue to trend downwards at the state level. The seven-day average for positive PCR tests is now at 9.6% today. That's down from 15.5% a month ago. Today, the seven-day average for new cases has dropped below 3,000 a day for the first time in over two months. However, one increasing trend is the number of cases in Charlottesville, with an average of 34 a day, with other indicators increasing. But there is now evidence that new strains of COVID are here, throwing another uncertainty into the situation. On Friday, the Virginia Department of Health announced that a person in eastern Virginia contracted what is known as the UK variant of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. They also identified the first case of what is known as the South African variant. Here's a press release that went out Friday afternoon. A preliminary report from experts in the United Kingdom indicates that this variant causes more severe illness than other variants, but more studies are needed to confirm this finding. With the pandemic now at the 11-month mark, what does this mean for the pathway going forward? Dr. Danny Avula talked about the variants on a press call Friday afternoon, held in his capacity as the vaccine coordinator for the Virginia Department of Health. We're certainly paying close attention to the variant situation, and I I think, you know, the entire country and the entire world are are in similar boats in the way that we uh, approach this, right? We we don't know what's to come. Uh, We know right now that um, we, in Virginia, we've got... uh, evidence of both the B117 and B1351, so the UK and the South African variants. Um, We also know that this has presented a a really significant issue in other countries. Dr. Ovula said he spoke with colleagues from Israel last week who told him that the UK variant is now the dominant strain there. Within two months of identifying the B117 variant, uh, it be, it became their dominant strain, and, and they were reporting last week anywhere from 70 to 80 percent of their new infections were, were the UK strain. Um, our modelers down at the CDC expect that it will be the dominant strain here in the United States by the end of March. Dr. Avula said the vaccines still appear to be effective against the UK strain, but more data is necessary to determine its efficacy against the South African strain. In the meantime, he encourages people to continue to be vigilant. I, I think, you know, what it does mean for Virginia is we've got to double down on all of the core mitigation strategies, right? Like the masking and distancing. Dr. Avula said that means improving the vaccination system. 
We'll hear more from him on that later on in the program. Let's now check in with the University of Virginia Health System. They also had a press briefing on Friday. Dr. Kosti Safri is an infectious disease expert. Variants um, are, you know, um, in the United States, um, they're in Virginia, um, and we um, don't know exactly how many because um, we have not done a lot of um, genomic sequencing to understand what, you know, how many there are uh, and where they're located. Dr. Safri said that will likely change over time, and the public should be prepared. Um, we would anticipate that, that we'll see them um, in increasing amounts. And as we know, the CDC has predicted that that is um, what we can anticipate seeing in the upcoming um, months. What we understand, however, from, um, from what's occurred in Europe um, is that um, COVID precautions work. And so what we really need to do is double down and be committed to continuing to do the things that we know prevent transmission of COVID. That means washing hands, keeping distance, and continuing to wear a mask. Also on the briefing call was Kyle Enfield. He's the director of the Special Pathogens Unit at the University of Virginia Health System. Dr. Enfield has been on the front line of the fight against the virus since the pandemic began. You know, a lot has happened in the, the, the time that we've had COVID at, in patients at UVA. So we had admitted our first patient to March 23rd of 2020. Uh, and we have learned a lot uh, about how to care for these the patients with COVID-19. Part of that has come from clinical trials to get treatments, and part of that is the experience that comes with dealing with patients dealing with a novel virus over months. Dr. Enfield shared one lesson learned. We um, don't rush to intubate patients uh, as early. Uh, what we found is that there is a group of patients that, while they require very high levels of oxygen, or what we call high-flow oxygen, um, many of them will do very well without intubation, and the benefit to the patient is, is by not being uh, put on a breathing machine, uh, they're able to be more interactive with us as a team, um, um, more interactive with their environment. They don't require the sedative medications uh, that can lead to um, some a complication called delirium in the ICU. Another lesson is the use of remdesivir in patients who aren't seriously ill, as well as the use of certain steroids. In the early days of the pandemic, one of the concerns was whether there would be enough ventilators to go round. Dr. Enfield said the state helped manage an inventory. We actually have a, a really good strategic um, surplus uh, in the state of Virginia that allows us to move ventilators from hospital to hospital from a strategic reserve. We haven't really had to touch that at all. Now the state is working to manage a limited number of vaccines from the federal government, while also dealing with a separate federal program that allocates other doses to pharmacy chains such as CVS. Dr. Safri said the University of Virginia Health System has remained busy assisting the Blue Ridge Health District with vaccinations. Our biggest challenge is that we're constrained by the supply of vaccine. As of this morning, more than one million Virginians have received at least one dose of a vaccine, according to the Virginia Department of Health dashboard. The seven-day average is now at 35,873 a day. The target is 50,000 a day. Dr. Avula said the number of doses will increase, but that the pathway isn't entirely clear. The rest of it really depends on uh, how the production goes with Moderna and Pfizer and then the timeline for the introduction of Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca and then potentially Novavax down the road. Um, Johnson & Johnson has submitted their application for authorization. That decision is due to be made on February 26th. 
And uh, so our hope is that first week of March that that brings uh, new vaccine into the supply line. And then the Moderna and Pfizer production will just continuously increase over the course of the next couple of months. Next week, the VDH will roll out a centralized system for people to register for vaccinations. Dr. Avula acknowledged that the opening up of Phase 1B earlier this year overwhelmed local health departments across Virginia. What we have done in response to that is uh, is to create this more centralized process, and it allows us to have consistency, to, to kind of follow the guidelines uh, that we're crafting at the state level, but there's still got to be local flexibility. Dr. Avula said different areas of Virginia may have different needs. For instance, efforts are afoot on the eastern shore to vaccinate workers in poultry factories. To confuse matters more, Fairfax County will be opting out of the statewide registration system. Dr. Avula said he spoke with officials there on Friday. I think the county had, uh, they've worked really hard to, to build their own registration process and uh, for reasons that you'd have to ask them about, we uh, they they just they weren't ready to make that transition. So uh, we absolutely encouraged it. Uh, the Fairfax Health Department is not under the jurisdiction of the state, right? They're they're one of the ones that are independent um, in, in integrated into their local government. So far, many people have been able to get appointments outside of the health district system and the state system to get vaccinations at CVS pharmacies, which are being allotted through a different system. Dr. Avula said he has an issue with their process for favoring those with means. It does not uh, allow equitable access, right? It does not take into consideration people who don't have internet access. Um, or who don't have the ability to wake up at 5 a.m. And, and try to sign up, it favors those who, who can be mobile, right? And so you have people in parts of Northern Virginia who are willing to drive to Abingdon to get an appointment. And, and so we, we need to figure something out there. Avula gave details about how the VDH system will look when it is formally announced. It's not just an Internet portal, and the goal is to expand access. Uh, what will be coming next week is a, a, a central call center with 750 call takers. Um, they will be in English and in Spanish. Um, they will also have access to a third-party translation service in 100 different languages. That announcement is expected to happen later this week. And that's it for this Valentine's Day edition on the pandemic, which, of course, maybe is not the happiest subject to be discussing. But, of course, life is not necessarily all about happy subjects. We are here on this planet to do what we do on this planet, which is to be on this planet. And we're all on this planet together. And programs like this are intended to hopefully help us share that a little bit. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and this is another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. As soon as I hit stop on this one, I'm getting right to work on the next one, hoping to get one out for President's Day, uh, which, of course, I am going to rebrand as Local Government's Day for some strange reason. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again with another installment. Thanks for listening, and send this on to somebody else if you think that they would benefit from hearing it. If you have any questions about it, please always drop me a line. You can probably find me. I'm not that difficult to find. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. How many more times can I say thanks for listening? I mean, I bet I, I bet you I could say it a lot.